1: It, it, it's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And, and Baseball Podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers r- right here on Inside the Ravine.
2: How's it going everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of inside the ravine a brand new Dodgers podcast brought to you by odyssey sports this is episode six i'm blake harris joining me is josh schaefer who every episode now is in a brand new location somewhere in california now we're going to tease that josh is in a brand new location this week but he's not in california so josh why don't you uh, share with everyone where in the country uh,
0: josh is today we had to, we had, to, we had to move some stuff uh, out of the apartment since we no longer have a garage to store stuff in. Uh, so we moved some stuff back to Arizona. So while we are here in uh, beautiful Arizona, the land of the Mighty Diamondbacks and uh, the, the home of Arizona State Hockey and no longer the home of Herm Edwards, um, you know we're gonna go to the ASU Utah game tomorrow. Got some free tickets for that, thank goodness, because uh, it might be a blowout by halftime. And then we're actually going to the Rams Cardinals game on Sunday, which I'm pretty stoked about. Um, I'm a Rams fan. My girlfriend's a Cardinals fan, so that should be fun. But uh, while we're here, we thought, wow, it's time to get together with Blake Heath Hembray uh, Harris and uh, and do a show.
2: There you go. So a brand new location for Josh this week get in those betting odds on where he's going to be for the next episode because you can win some serious coin if you uh, correctly predict where Josh is going to be next week. So as we mentioned, episode 6 of Inside the Ravine. If this is your first time listening, welcome. You guys can find us all over social media at Inside the Ravine on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. You guys can find us there. Josh, we're going to kick things off with just the latest news because it's been some time since our last episode. Not a whole lot to get to, but there is some notable stuff. The first is that Tony Gonsolin, it's sounds encouraging sounds like he's ramping up sounds like essentially he's going to throw one more bullpen session then it looks like he's going to go on a rehab assignment so i know about a week or two ago we were talking about the level concern with tony gonsolin that he might not be ready for the postseason what's going to happen the good news is it sounds like he's going to be back which is huge for the dodgers because as of right now their number four spot in the rotation for october is a huge question mark because dustin may has looked really shaky as of late Andrew Heaney, he looks solid, but he allows way too many home runs, so if Tony is able to return, get a start under his belt, and be that number four starter for the Dodgers in October, that is going to be a huge, huge thing for LA.
0: Yeah, and and Dave Roberts said that um, Gonsolin has looked encouraging lately, which is, which is good, and it's progress from what we heard last time, but again, it's still up in the air what role he's going to have come postseason time, so that's that's kind of where we're at with the Dodgers rotation right now is there some guys out. Um, and as we start to filter players back in, what roles exactly are they going to have? And Gonsolin's been out for a little while now, but all pretty much all season, he's been one of the Dodgers most consistent guys right up there with Julio Urias. Um, so come playoff time, if he can settle in as that fourth man in the rotation or, assume some sort of different role i think regardless of what that is it's going to be important for the team moving forward but if he can solidify himself in that starting rotation in the postseason i think the dodgers are in are in really good hands
2: yeah because i mean we've seen all season the numbers speak for themselves but i think over this last month we've kind of realized how valuable tony gonsolin is to the starting rotation and again come october you need four guys in your starting rotation you can count on And as of now, the Dodgers, they're kind of searching for who that fourth guy can be with Tony Gonsolin out. So if he's able to come back, if he's able to be healthy, and again, he doesn't have to go six, seven innings every start. If he's able to give the Dodgers three, four innings, I think that's going to be huge. Because I know when we talked about it a week or two ago, like we said... I didn't think he'd be built up enough. I thought he'd probably have to come out of the bullpen only go one or two innings. So if he's able to have one and a half, two weeks before the season ends, and then you get those five days once the season ends until the DS, I think that's going to be huge for the Dodgers. But encouraging news with Tony Gonsolin. Not so encouraging news with Blake Trinan, who he threw the other day, but he was shut down for a couple days. I believe the plan is for him to resume throwing today. But I was at the stadium the other day, and pretty much Dave said, if Saturday doesn't go well, that might be it for Blake Trinan. He might be shut down for the rest of the season, for the postseason. So whatever comes out of his throwing session today, again, I don't know if it's just a bullpen or if he's just going to be doing long toss. It seems like the fate of Blake Trinan is in the hands of today. So we, we've we talked about this a few times already. We've been without him for a majority of the season. So the Dodgers have been able to get by, but this is a guy you want in your bullpen. You want, you know, Him in the eighth, him in the ninth, he's arguably the best reliever when healthy. So what are your just thoughts on, again, the fate of Blake Trinan essentially coming out to today, and what's your gut instinct tell you if
0: uh, he'll be healthy or not? Well, that's what's so tough right now, right, is it's not even just that that Trinan would be a valuable bullpen piece, but getting to our next piece of news that we'll discuss in a few minutes is the Dodgers right now have some reliever issues, and for the most part, the bullpen has been great all season long, but getting Trinan back would just really kick everything into gear for the Dodgers come postseason time. And and right now, a player like Trinan who's only made five appearances all year, while you also haven't had a guy like Daniel Hudson available for the Dodgers pretty much all season two. Those are two guys that you really need in your bullpen, especially at the back end of the bullpen, um, not just now, and they've survived now, not just survived, but they've done so, you know, swimmingly. Um, but come postseason time, these are guys that the Dodgers could really use um, to really bolster the bullpen, um, you know, especially later in games. So Trinan, if he if he can't go, I, I think the Dodgers will figure out ways to to replace him. Um, and kind of restructure the bullpen a little bit here because they've had to do that all season. But again, I mean, he's only made five appearances this year, and the Dodgers have still done well and still had one of the best bullpen um, uh, or, and, and relief staffs in baseball. So um, could use him going forward, but it is concerning that there hasn't been very much progress.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you want to find any sort of silver lining in regards to this whole Trina thing, it's the fact that, yeah, the season does end in a little less than two weeks, but then you get the five days until the NLDS starts, so you're looking at about, I want to say maybe close to... 20 days until you're going to truly need him and the thing with Trinan is he's not like Gonsolin you don't need to build him up to go multiple innings you only need to have him built up to go one inning you don't have to worry about him going back to back because at this point I feel like the Dodgers would rather have him available just in general instead of needing him to go you know consecutive days so he still has two and a half three weeks to again build that arm up but yeah the fact that it sounds like today's a make or break day Not ideal, but like we talked about, the Dodgers have been fine without him throughout the rest of this, you know, throughout the entire season. But now, with a little concern in the ninth inning, which we're going to transition into, you might want to have a guy that has experience closing games because Josh, it finally happened. It only took until September 23rd. So, literally, the end of the season. Like I said, I think there's only 10 games remaining, but Dave Roberts officially said that Craig Kimbrell is not going to be the Dodgers' closer anymore. They're going to go closer by committee. But uh, instead of trying to explain what Dave said, we thought we'd just throw it to Dave and uh, have him explain exactly what the Dodgers plan to do to close out the season.
1: I I think, uh, yeah, I I talked to him a little bit today. And, um, you know, right now, um, the plan is to uh, change roles and um, just kind of get them in a position to... uh, you know, pitch in different innings in different situations. So um, he was very open to doing whatever um, is best for the ball club. So uh, I feel good about it, and um, you know we'll see what we'll see uh, where that takes us. Do you have one person in mind for the ninth inning? Or no, be? no. I think for us, it's you know finding kind of treating him like we treat all of our guys in the sense of putting them in the best position to get out. And um, that's kind of how I'm going to approach every inning for the for the pen.
2: So the, this was personally shocking to me just because a number of times throughout the season, Dave's been asked, are you going to make a change at the closer spot? And he's always said no. And this is during the heart of when Kimbrel was just atrocious, when he was bad. But recently, he had a stretch of, I think, nine games through ten innings where he didn't allow a run, allowed only one hit. His stuff was looking a lot better. But all of a sudden, the last four outings, things have just kind of regressed for Kimbrell. He's back to looking like the Kimbrell of old. So I guess, yeah, with two weeks left in the season, Dave said it's now or never. So, Josh, quickly, just your instant reaction when you heard Dave finally admit that they're going to go away from Kimbrell and go closer by
0: committee. I mean, as the Dodgers closer, he probably shouldn't have a, a, an ERA above four and a whip above one three. And, you know, he's made 57 appearances for the Dodgers this year, and he's blown five saves. And you think, well, I guess that's not as bad as it seems. But no, I mean, it's like every time he comes into the game, he he gives up runs, he gives up hits, he makes it interesting. and And that's what's tough for the Dodgers. And I know that a lot of people have said, can't be on the postseason roster, he shouldn't be closing these games. And right now, I I agree in the sense that maybe the Dodgers should, should look elsewhere to close games out. But here's the thing, and this is something we've talked about on the show a couple of times already since we started this thing, and this is only episode six. If you can find a different role for him, at least right now, give him an opportunity to excel elsewhere, and maybe that sets him up better come playoff time. Because seriously, I mean, you look at where they were at the beginning of the season. And and your your three-headed bullpen monster at the end of games was going to be Trinan, Hudson, and uh, Craig Kimbrell. And right now, two of those guys have missed most of the season, and the other one has played the entire season and has been so unreliable, it's ridiculous. So... This is something we said is find a different role for him right now and figure out how he can do in that role, see what he can do in that role. Maybe he's the setup man. Maybe he's a random fifth inning guy or sixth inning guy like he was uh, against the Cardinals in a blowout loss. But right now, maybe he's not the closer. Give some other guys opportunities and then reevaluate come postseason because this is a player that, sure, maybe he hasn't blown that many saves. It's only been five, which it really, like, with this team, it really shouldn't be that many. It took him until mid August to record a one run save. Mid August. Right. And he's made almost 60 appearances this season. And he had his first one run save in August. That was like a couple weeks ago. So, and that, and you're right. And that was in that stretch of him just shutting the door every single night. Um, And now it's regressed and it's back to where it was before. So right yeah. now, I think if you're looking for a closer, the numbers and, and the eye test, too, I'm big combine both of those things kind of guy. Neither of those are there for Kimbrel right now. But again, you give him the opportunity to take it, take on a different role, at least for these final two weeks and reevaluate once the season comes to a close.
2: Yeah, when you see the five balloon saves, it's like surprisingly low, but it's because so many games he came in with a three run lead where when he left, it was a one run lead. Or he came in with a two-run lead, and it became a one-run lead. Like you said, he didn't get a save with the one-run lead until August because he had, like, no outings. I-, I think up until that point in August, he had four games that he came in with a one-run lead, and all four of them, uh, he blew. I think the Dodgers ended up winning a couple of those games, but he didn't lock things down. And I, I get why the Dodgers waited as long as they did, because... It's kind of what they did with Muncie, where you had such a huge lead in the division, you know it was locked up, you had the runway to essentially just continue to throw him out there, so I had no problem with the Dodgers not switching things up a couple months ago, because again, you want to continue to throw this guy out there in the ninth to see if he's able to figure things out, and again, we had that two or three week stretch where... Everything looked fantastic for him, but yeah, the last two weeks or so, he's just kind of regressed, and again, it's now or never. The season ends in two weeks, and you want to see who your best options are, and like you said about last night with the Cardinals, he came out in the sixth inning, which it's one thing going from the ninth to the eighth, but when you're going from the ninth to the sixth, That is a huge drop-off, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks because the Dodgers have a number of options. I think they have like six or seven guys that have recorded a save this year, but like you touched on, it was expected to be a three-headed monster of Trinan, Kimbrell, and Hudson. Trinan and Hudson both have closing experience. Hudson's done for the year. Trinan is still a maybe, which is why we talked about with Trinan how huge it would be. It's, I guess, bigger bigger than ever for him to come back because he does have experience in the ninth inning. Evan Phillips would probably be the best option to close games since he's been their best reliever, but he has thrived in this fireman role, essentially what Trinan's done the last few years, where... You want Evan Phillips available in the biggest spot of the game. Just a couple nights ago, he came in the sixth inning because there was a runner on second with one out, and he shut the door down. You want him available, you know, to go in the sixth, seventh, or eighth, whenever it's needed. You want to kind of, don't want to lock him into the ninth. So, very interested to see what direction the Dodgers go, because... I guess now that leaves Chris Martin, Bruce Dark Ratterall, Alex Fessia. You know, Dave talked about this the other day. The ninth inning is a different beast. It is entirely different than the eighth, than the seventh. It's the most important inning, so we'll see what happens. Maybe this is good for Kimbrel. Maybe by coming in the seventh inning or the sixth inning, he'll be a much better pitcher. But again, even with the ERA, the whip uh, at all-time highs, the thing that's most concerning for me is the fact that his strikeout numbers are are significantly lower than they've been in years past. I think he's only averaging like ten point five strikeouts per nine. Whereas it's the previous, lowest in his career, yeah, it's like twenty
0: seven percent.
2: Yeah, his like previous low was like thirteen. So you know, ten strikeouts per nine is still a good rate. But when you're a guy like Kimbrel that only throws two pitches, you rely on your strikeouts so much. The fact that it's down significantly, I mean, you have guys like Phil Bigford, Caleb Ferguson, they're averaging more strikeouts than Kimbrel. So um, I feel for the guy. Like that does have to suck. Like looking at the human aspect of this. Being a closer and getting demoted to the sixth inning, that does have to kind of suck. But the thing I will give him credit for is the fact that he owns up to it. He, you know, doesn't fight it. The one thing I I did have against Kenley, who everyone knows is my closer, Kenley wasn't really as accountable as he should have been when things were going wrong for him. And he pretty much never said he never wanted to come and pitch the eighth or the seventh. He never did that. Well, I will give Kimbrel props for being so open about this. I know a lot of people like to hate on him, but like the fact that he's able to do that, I think is mad respect to him. But things are going to get interesting, and um, so Josh, just, uh, before we move to the next topic, because I do have a little fun game for you. If you had to pick, if you had to pick right now, you know, outside of Evan Phillips, who do you want closing games? Like, who would you count on the most right now? Like, let's say it's a one-run game. Uh, maybe we should get uh, the dog's opinions as well because he doesn't sound too thrilled about Kimbrel. But let's say it's NLDS game five. Tie or Dodgers are up by one run, ninth inning. Everyone's available except for Evan Phillips because he just you know pitched the eighth and was fantastic. Who do you want coming out for the ninth to close the game?
0: I'm thinking. I, I think Vesia could also, at least in my opinion, kind of fill in in that in that fireman role. So I don't know if I want to move him there yet. Um, I think that he's got some really good stuff too. I mean, when they brought him in, people raved about some of the different mechanics that he had and some of his spin rate and things like that. For me, I think that I don't want to go to a flamethrower either, like Gratterall. I think I want to go to somebody like Tommy Canley or uh, Chris Martin, I think are the two guys that I would look at if I can't go, if obviously Trinan's not available and obviously if I can't go with Evan Phillips.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's pick your poison because, you know, numerous guys offer various things. Vesia, he's been an absolute unit, especially the last month or so. And I think he's averaging like 14 strikeouts per nine. So he's a strikeout guy. Chris Martin literally doesn't walk anyone. The other day he issued his first walk as a Dodger in like two months. And then he got bruised our grader who doesn't necessarily allow home runs. He allows soft, you know, ground balls. So I guess it, it depends on what part of the order you're facing, which way you want to go. But let's play our fun game, Josh, because I wrote about this yesterday. As of right now, if I were to guess, for the postseason, Dodgers are going to go with 13 pitchers and 13 hitters. Well, I have 10 pitchers that are currently locks, assuming they stay healthy the rest of the way. But then I have three that are going to be on the roster, if healthy, and three fighting for a spot. So today we're going to play a game of uh, Kimbrel or this pitcher. So I'm going to list off a pitcher, and you're going to tell me if you'd rather have them on the postseason roster or Craig Kimbrell. Are you ready for
0: the fun? Yeah, do I have to do the math to make sure it works out, or am I just choosing straight up? I would rather have
2: this this is just straight up. This is if it comes down to the (laughs) thirteenth. It's like I said, I have ten locks, but this is if it comes down to the thirteenth and final spot. Would you rather have Kimbrell or would you rather have this pitcher in the final spot? All All right. right, I'm in. All right, Craig Kimbrell
0: or Caleb Ferguson. Interesting. Okay. Ferguson has been pretty good. I th- I think I'd rather have I think I'd rather have Caleb Ferguson right now.
2: Through thirty-three games this year so far. It doesn't even feel like Ferguson's played that much, but he has. One point yeah. nine seven ERA, a whip of zero point ninety seven. He has a FIP of two point six seven ERA plus of two fifteen. So Caleb Ferguson. He's the one yeah. I'm going with there. All right, moving on to the next one right now. Craig Kimbrell or Yency Almonte?
0: Yancy's an interesting one, too, because I feel like he's somebody that we also haven't seen all that much this year. I think it's only been like 30 innings or something for him, too, and he's been really good. I he's th- currently in Oklahoma City, building his arm back up. So yeah,
2: he hasn't been pitched hurt. in, you know, a month and a half. So he's building that arm up. I think he should be back next week. But like you said, thirty one innings this year. But he's got sub two 5- ERA too. One point fifteen ERA, zero wow. point eight nine WHIP, FIP of three point twenty seven, ERA pl- ERA plus of three sixty nine. But again, his health wow. is a slight question mark.
0: Yeah. So would you rather so have, I- have? I think. I'm leaning toward Almonte, but I think that I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Kimbrell.
2: If he's healthy, I would go with Almonte. But again, that's contingent on how he's able to bounce back. All right, we got a couple more. One guy you just mentioned earlier, Tommy Canley. Now, this is a guy that we really haven't seen a whole lot of. I think, let's see, he's only appeared in, what, eight games this year, seven innings. Does have an area of 4.7, but that was because of one bad outing, in which he allowed a couple runs. But ever since coming back, he's been great for the Dodgers. So, so Josh, Craig or Tommy
0: Kainley? Well, I'll tell you right now, I, I just pulled up Tommy Canely and um, poor guy, man. His headshot is bad. He's a good looking fella, but his headshot is just not doing him any. It's not doing him justice. Um, but you're right. We haven't seen him very much this season. What, what did I see? Eight games. 11 innings, 4.7 ERA, not great. I think I would take, this is the for sure one where I think I'd rather have Kimbrell, Um, and it's just due to the volume that we've seen from Kimbrel, and we've seen him at highs and lows this season. We just haven't seen uh, Tommy Kaney really at all. So I think this is the one where I would say Kimbrell straight up without much hesitation. However, I want to see Tommy Canely these next couple of weeks again, see him refine things a little bit better. Um, see him settle into a bullpen role. And then maybe that changes because I think Tommy Canely would be a weapon for the Dodgers bullpen come playoff time. If, he, yeah, over, if he's playing well and if he's healthy
2: over cane, last five outings, 1.93 ERA seven strikeouts in 4.2 innings, no hits. I'm looking at his game log right now. He had one outing back on May 11th in which he allowed three runs in a one inning of work. But if you look at the rest of his games, he's been a strikeout machine and pretty much his numbers have been great. So that's gonna be a tough one as well, like you said. The next two weeks, especially for Kainley, just because we haven't seen that much out of him. But he has, you know, some really good stuff and he's a strikeout machine. And aside from that one bad outing, he's looked really good. So that's a tough one. Here we go. This this one I think is really gonna twist you up. Craig Kimbrell or David
0: Price. You're right. I think this one is gonna twist me up a little bit here. So I don't know, man. Like I've, I've had a tough time with David Price just because I think that he, I I think he gets a lot of flack from time to time. Um, also, he seems just to be a guy, at least in my opinion, that for the name coming in when he came in a few years ago, I feel like we just haven't seen him as much as I expected to. I mean, obviously he's been hurt here and there. He didn't play in 2020. Um, but I mean, his numbers actually are pretty decent too. Um, I think right now I might rather have David Price come playoff time just just because I think that he's pretty versatile um, and I think that he can come in in a few different roles. I mean, this is a guy that also has starting experience, too. So I'm kind of I just think that he's a more versatile option than Craig Kimbrell.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. It seems like we haven't really seen much of Price because he sat out 2020, has dealt with injuries over the last couple years, but like you said, the numbers this year have been really good for him. 2.58 ERA, he's pretty much striking out one per inning, Uh, but if you look at his numbers really over the last couple months, Josh, this might actually blow your mind. Since June 18th, and this is a pretty good sample size, 25 games, David Price has a 1.46 ERA, so... The last couple months, this guy has been fantastic. Granted, you know, he's not pitching necessarily super high leverage, you know, innings, but Price has been really good for the Dodgers this year. But I'd rather have uh, David Price over Craig, Craig Kimbrill if I had a choice between those two. Now, our final option right here, this was a little easier, I think, maybe if I would have asked you yesterday. But uh, after last night, this might be an easier decision. So our final one
0: is Craig Kimbrell or Phil Bickford. Yeah, see, I just I have a tough time with Phil Bickford now, too, because there have been some times when he's just been awesome for the Dodgers. And this year, he's kind of he's kind of a workhorse. Like, I think he's got a pretty big um, like workload for the most part. Um, You know, he's pitched over 60 innings this season, but his ERA just continues to soar right now. Um, and then if you like look at his game logs, it's just, you know, these last these last couple of outings for him just have not been good. I mean, in his last let's just in September alone, I mean, 12 innings, he's given up four runs on eight hits and a bunch of home. He's given up three home runs in his last two games. Like yeah. his first couple of outings this month were really good. Then he had a few hitless innings. Or, and Here, let, let me say this. it
2: bad. Let me say this if this changes your mind at all so his last two outings he's been roughed up it's been really shaky but prior to those two outings his previous 25 outings going back to the end of july josh a 2.63 era a 2.49 fip holding opponents to an ops below 600 he had 35 strikeouts in only 27 innings so again that's a two-month sample size where he was damn good but these last two innings kind of have been blow up so let's just say those two outings never happened and he's still riding this two-month stretch of an array of two and a half it, I, th- I think it makes it a
0: little more difficult it, it makes it makes it more difficult but here's the thing here's the knock that that um, I think a lot of people have with Bickford and then I think that a lot of people unfairly have with David Price and it's the long ball because David Price the poor guy, I feel like he gives up a lot of big home runs. So it makes it seem worse than it is. It's only given up like five or six home runs all season right. long. So it's just the big home runs. So it seems like it's like, oh, here we go again. He has not been that bad. Phil Bickford has given up 12 home runs this season um, and 12 home runs and 32 earned runs all season. I mean, that's that's a decent sample size. That's a decent right. chunk of your earned runs allowed. Um, So you're right. I I think that these last couple of outings for Bickford skew that data a little bit more, make those stats, make those numbers, make the eye test even look a lot worse than it probably is. Um, But again, it could be two outings like that that change an entire postseason series. So it is a little bit closer. I think right now, if I had to pick one, I might pick Kimbrel if he's pitching in a different role. Um, But it it definitely is a, a little bit more. It's a little bit tighter than it seems.
2: Things are going to get very interesting when trying to figure out the postseason roster. We're going to have an episode, you know, right before the postseason begins where we predict and choose who's going to make the postseason roster. And it's going to be interesting because there are a lot of good guys. Now, granted, a lot of these guys have some concerns with health, but if everyone's healthy, there are going to be some tough decisions for the Dodgers moving forward. So we're going to talk about the Dodgers and their recent rough stretch, plus Albert Pujols. But before we do that, we're just going to take a quick break. All right, we are back. Josh, it's been a rough week for the Dodgers. Now, yeah. granted, it doesn't mean much because the division's locked up and everything. They're going to set the franchise record and wins. But the D-backs came to town, and it was a rough series. So on Monday, they beat them 5-2. No problem. That was an easy win. They played a doubleheader on Tuesday. They needed an insane miracle in the eighth inning to come from behind. I believe they were trailing four runs, entering the eighth. They had some help from the D-backs' defense, a couple errors, they came from behind, they won the game, but that's a game that they were outplayed for 90% of, so that was a good one. They lose the nightcap 5-2, to two. then on Wednesday, they lose 6-1, to one. then on Thursday, they're getting outplayed for majority of the game, come from behind in the ninth inning, they do pull out the victory, but right, at, right off the bat, that's a 5-game series with the D-backs. They could have lost 4 out of 5. Now, again, it's baseball, anything can happen, it was an ugly-looking series, and then last night, the Cardinals come to town, And the Dodgers defensively looked awful. Hitting, they were non-existent. Pitching was atrocious. So all of a sudden now, that's six games that they haven't looked great. I tweeted this last night. Over the Dodgers' last four games, they've committed more errors than they have runs scored. They have seven errors over the last four games, have scored only six runs. And I'm I'm not even including their game from Tuesday when they came back. They scored six runs. I think they had like four errors but it would have put the runs a little more than the air. So the defense has been awful this week. The offense has been non-existent. Again, this happens in baseball, but it's been probably the worst, you know, five, six-day stretch of the entire season, which is something you do not want to see as you're getting ready for October.
0: Yeah, definitely not. And here's my thing with the D-back series. First of all, um, I, you know, I was at the game um, on Wednesday, uh, the 6-1 loss. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the Cardinals-Rams game. Girlfriend's from Arizona. She's a Diamondbacks fan. And we're kind of watching this game, and the D-backs are going up early. And I'm kind of just sitting there thinking, like, I mean, I don't, it doesn't really matter. like. So that's kind of the vibe that I get. Like, it doesn't really matter. You obviously don't want to see games like that. It was later in the game when you're looking at the, the scoreboard, and you're like, it's the eighth inning, and the Dodgers have a hit. And it was a home run. Like it, yeah. it, it was those kind of things. And then obviously, Mookie had a couple of really big hits in this series against the Diamondbacks, too. Um, and obviously, the come from behind, the crazy comeback win in game one of the doubleheader on Tuesday, the, the walk off win on, on Thursday. And you look at it, and the Dodgers now have two come from behind wins against the D backs in this five game series. And also, it's their uh, Thursday's walk off win was their 45th come from behind win this season. That's remarkable. But at the same time, you're thinking good teams are the ones that come back that can can figure out ways to win in those situations. And the Dodgers are one of those teams. They just said they've won 45 games when trailing this season. Um, But at the same time, the hits just weren't there. I mean, it took them a while to get the offense going in game one of the doubleheader. Later that night, the offense was non-existent. When they lost 6-1, they had one hit through seven and a third or two-thirds innings, and then obviously the offense didn't get going until the ninth inning again on Thursday against the D-backs. So ultimately, not a great series. You win the series because you should, and that's great. You're playing the Diamondbacks, and you clinched the NL West a week and a half ago. Like You should expect to beat the Diamondbacks in a five-game series. But at the same time, then you roll into – Friday's game against the Cardinals and you're just not hitting the ball very well. And the defense isn't looking great. Um, the, the bullpen hasn't been remarkable. The starting pitching hasn't been remarkable these last couple of games. Ultimately I'm not super concerned, but in the grand scheme of things, like you don't want to see these types of games going into the postseason, but you're right. Like, does it really matter all that much? No, of course not. At this point, you just want to say somewhat consistent obviously and stay healthy primarily. But you don't want to see an 11-0 loss at home to the Cardinals and obviously give up a bunch of home runs in the process.
2: Right. The, this is the reason why I hate the NLDS, the fact that it's a five-game series. And we just saw this this past week, the Dodgers played a, a weird, rare five-game series in the regular season. But they struggled to get out of that alive, and that's against the D-backs, who were, you know not an awful team, but that's a team that you should take care of with ease. And it just went to show how hard it is to win a five-game series, which is why I kind of worry a little for October. Now, this was something, Josh, that we've kind of talked about the last couple weeks leading up to the Dodgers clinching the division, and that was what do the Dodgers do moving forward in regards to how do they handle the final few weeks of the season? This is where I'm interested to hear your thoughts on because it's no surprise the Dodgers have been awful this week offensively when you've been seeing the lineups they've been throwing out there. Every night, they're benching one of Mookie, Trey, and Freddie. They're giving guys like Miguel Vargas, Hans or Alberto, uh, you know, Cody Bellinger, consistent at bats. I was going to say Austin Barnes, but the dude's actually been an absolute unit the last two months. He has like, <laughs> the highest OPS on the team. But they're throwing out these lineups out there that are different every night. You have no consistency. At what point do the Dodgers just need to say, okay, we've kind of given these guys enough rest. We need to start throwing out our one through nine because... I I couldn't tell you the last time the Dodgers threw out their one through nine. That's probably what we're going to see in October. And again, uh, you don't necessarily have to, you want to give guys rest, but at some point you kind of got to get back to that. You kind of got to get back to your everyday guys, what things are going to look like in October, because like I mentioned, the lineups we've seen the last five, six days, they're, you know, they're not throwing the games, but they're not their best
0: nine guys. Here's, here's what I, here's what I do. You've got two games against the Cardinals this weekend. Um, Saturday and Sunday. That's a team that's making the postseason. That's a that's a yeah. team that that's a team that people aren't really talking about either. I feel like right. from a Dodgers perspective it's like, "Oh, the Mets, the Braves, and obviously the Padres are going to be there even though they've beat up on the Padres a lot for the last, you know, however many years." But the yeah. Cardinals seem to be somebody that no one's really talking about. Am I really concerned with the Cardinals come postseason? No, but I think that they're a much bigger threat than the Padres are. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you look at the Dodgers schedule. All right. You got these two games against the Cardinals after last night's loss. Give me give me one really good lineup against the Cardinals and get a win. You've got three games coming up in San Diego, whatever. Here's here's the thing with me. Because of the the delay at the start of the season, you play the Rockies for 6 straight games at yeah. home to end <laughs> the season. 5 of those are a 5-game series. Just give me a lineup. Give me what you're going to get come postseason. Take it right. easy if you want to go, if you want to structure the ballpen, if you want to give guys rest halfway through, fine. Do it like a spring training game once you get to those final few games of the series. But start that six-game series to end the season as if you're starting a five-game series and kind of just stack your lineup a little bit, see what you get from games one, two, and maybe three of that of that six-game series against the Rockies, and then maybe take your foot off the gas at the very end.
2: Yeah. I mean, I agree with that, especially for this Cardinals series. Like you mentioned, no one's talking about the Cardinals. It always comes down to Mets or Braves, but the Cardinals are likely going to be there in the NLCS if they get past whoever they have to play. They're winning their division for a reason. They're a really good team, and I'd like to see the Dodgers try because you might be seeing this team a few weeks from now. So again, not not a whole lot of reason to worry, but I I wish the Dodgers would kind of quit it with these, you know, random lineups. Get your best guys out there. Let's try it. With the Rockies, maybe a couple games like you said don't don't have to do it, but at least for at the start, just give your best guys because we need to get these guys accumulated. We need to make sure that our best one through nine are out there. And like I said, I, I don't, I'd have to go back and look to see when you know the good one through nine was last used because it's been a while. Because every day someone's getting the day off, so hopefully they turn things around. But then again. They've won 104 games. They're going to win 110 games if all goes well. There are worse things to get concerned about because in baseball, everyone has rough patches. But I think it's just because Dodgers fans have seen this too many times in recent years when the offense just goes cold and they're non-existent. But a few weeks to get it figured out. Hopefully, like you said, today or tomorrow, they roll out the death lineup of just their best guys went through nine. But, Josh, before we move on, there is one thing I want to talk about in regards to the Cardinals, and that's T.O. Albert. That's Albert Pujols hitting not one but two home runs last night to give him 700. I was at my old stomping grounds last night when he hit 699. Good old Blaze Pizza, where I put two years of uh, hard, hard labor there. Literally, (laughs) Blaze uh, Radio. It's the same logo, essentially. The best
0: college radio station in the country. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's up for debate. Um, Josh, so I got the notification that he had 699. And I'm thinking, man, that's insane. The fact that he already hit 699. There's no way he gets 700. We get back last night about 8 p.m., sit on the couch, and literally five minutes later, Pools is up and he just launches number 700 into the stands. A guy caught it. Apparently, he left the stadium with the ball. But just overall, that's going to be a quick, uh, fun question for us in a few minutes. But just your thoughts on Albert Pujols actually getting to 700 because I think he entered the season needing 21 homers to get to 700, which no one thought he would get to. But in the second half of the season, he's been one of the best hitters in all of baseball. And this is a guy that he came back this weekend, his first time returning to Dodger Stadium. And he essentially said by going to the Dodgers It saved my career because when I was with the Angels, I didn't love baseball. By going to the Dodgers, I found the love again. It made me want to play for one more season. So the fact that he hit number 700 at Dodger Stadium, um, if it wasn't going to be at Bush Stadium, this was a very close second in regards to best possible outcomes.
0: Yeah, and good for him, and and I think that it wasn't even like a sticking it to the Dodgers kind of thing, too, as I think it would be for a lot of people hitting it against your former team, but it was just really cool to see him do that at Dodger Stadium, and also to hear the crowd kind of already kind of out of the game because you're getting killed, but then when Albert comes up and hits that and the stadium just seemed to go nuts. And there's even the clip of Dave Roberts kind of like pounding his fists in the dugout. Like he was going to celebrate and then realized that Albert's not on his team anymore, but it was just really cool. And obviously I was just listening to the crowd and obviously there was no home run graphic or song or anything, but you saw the lights in uh, the pavilions kind of flash too. They were playing,
2: they were playing the, I think field of dreams music in the background, like right as he crossed home, my uncle was there and he said they were playing field of dreams. So, I think this is like the rare thing where everyone was like rooting for it. Like I personally was rooting for it because if this was a game, the Dodgers needed to win, obviously you're not hoping for it, but everyone was rooting for it. Even Phil Bickford said following the game, he's like, yeah, immediately when I gave the home run, I was pissed. But then after about 30 seconds, I realized how big of a moment was. And Albert is like one of the nicest guys I've ever met. I was okay with it. So even Phil Bickford was okay with it. So it's, it's a rare thing. I think Dave said this following the game. He's like, there's not too many moments like this where d- despite the outcome of how it goes against your team like you're okay with it. And yeah, yeah, the fact that it happened at Dodger Stadium, he gave like a pre-game speech to uh everyone. They gave him these they gave him and a uh, Yadi Molina these like golf bags. I don't know if yeah. you saw. I yeah. thought it was just kind of like I get why you have to put the Angels logo on there, but it's like considering how much of a disaster that whole tenure was, the fact that pretty much everyone hates him there, he hates the Angels. I was like I don't know if he wants to see the Angels logo. He should put the Cardinals logo like super big, have the Dodgers logo kind of right below it. So I I thought that was kind of funny. But this is a guy. It's amazing. He was with the Dodgers for half a season. And I can't remember a player, Josh, maybe you can, but I, I was trying to think about this, that literally spent half a season with the Dodgers. That has been so just like beloved by the entire fan base, by every player, by every coach. And I, I can't think of one. I mean, every yeah. single person loved Albert and he clearly like loves the Dodgers. He still loves the fans. And like I said, he, he said that the Dodgers saved him. So what, what a, uh, what a, what a cool moment I, I thought that was.
0: It's funny because he's such a big name and he's such a, such a huge figure in baseball, but at the same time, he's almost like a Dodgers cult hero. Right. And, and you don't, right. you don't have that very often. It's like a, like, like for any of the hockey fans out there it's like Wayne Gretzky played like a year for the rain or for the blues like he played a year for the blues and like nobody thinks about Wayne Gretzky playing for the St. Louis blues but like Albert Pujols is going to be forever known as a cardinal but right. what's funny is I just think that a lot of Dodgers fans are going to view Albert as a Dodger and I think that that's really cool and he was there for yeah. one like Very, very short period of time, but he was just such a big impact, not even necessarily on the field, but just in the clubhouse for the fan base in the city. And I think that's so cool that he was able to hit it in LA. And I don't think anybody's too too upset on it.
2: Yeah, so props to him. Love TO Albert. Hey, if he wants to come back next year, he can chase down Babe Ruth if he's able to. So awesome moments at Dodger Stadium. We are going to take our final break, and when we come back, we're gonna open up the mailbag. And we are going to draft again. It's been a while, Josh, but we're going to draft again. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. It's time to open up the mailbag. As always, if you guys would like to ask us a future question in a show, make sure to follow us on Twitter at InsideTheRavine. I posted just before we went live, so have those notifications on if you have any Dodgers question or any question in general, hit us up. Again, that is inside the ravine on Twitter. Josh, our first question comes from our old buddy from the Arroyo Seco stomping grounds. Not mm. not not good old Henry, because Henry's probably uh poolside drinking a beer right now. But our other buddy, Gage Kirkland. Gage. And he asks he asks us game one of the NLDS. What starting nine are you penciling in? So we kind of just talked about this recently about our best nine. So yeah. you're you're in charge, Josh. Dave is uh he's on break right now. Bob Guerin actually hit you up and wants you to make the starting lineup. So one through nine, what are you going with for game one?
0: One through nine, um, I'm going to go uh, positionally, position-wise, just so it's easier to keep track of. Okay. I'm going uh, Will Smith behind the plate. First base, I'm going Freddie. Second base, uh, I, second base here, I, I'm going to go, and we're going to assume everyone's healthy, right? Are we going to do that? Yeah, everyone's Everybody's healthy. Everybody's healthy? Okay, so I don't, you know, sorry, uh, sorry, Chris Taylor. Um, I don't really uh, want, want Chris Taylor there right now. Um, but I think that I would, yeah, we're going Lux at second. Uh, short, we're going... Um, Trey, obviously third base Muncy, uh, left field. Uh, here's, here's where I think it gets a little interesting in the outfield is Mookie's going to be in, right. I'm going to go ahead and put Bellinger in center. Um, and then in, in left field, I'm going to, I'm going to put trace Thompson. Um, that's who I want starting left field for the Dodgers come postseason. season. And then my DH is going to be Justin Turner. Um, it's tough because I think that I think that Gallo could turn out to just be an absolute weapon come postseason season for the Dodgers. And, and who knows? Chris Taylor could be too. Uh, and I think that Chris Taylor is my go-to starting left fielder, but right now I, I think I'm rocking with Trace Thompson.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. Everything you went through, I'd have the same infield. My outfield would be kind of the same. It, I guess it depends on lefty, righty, who's on the mound, but I, I kind of agree with you. I think Gallo could be an absolute weapon, but Postseason, Cody Bellinger is a different breed. This is a guy that, for some reason, it clicks. The moment's not too big big for him. So I'm going to go Cody Bellinger in center, Trace Thompson in left, and bring Gallo off the bench. Gallo's probably going to have a few big moments in the postseason with some big homers, but as of right now, those are who i go with. Sorry, Chris Taylor. You're on the bench for now, but he's another guy. He'll probably have some big moments as well. Miss Shanandler Bong. Shanandler Bong. bong. Shanandler Bong. That's a friend's reference. Miss Oh, see, I never have seen Friends, so I I do not understand the reference. I am more of a Seinfeld fan. All right, so you Miss Shanandler-Bong. Should the Dodgers use their spring training uniforms during the regular season? So we've seen the Dodgers have their city connects where they have the blue Lowe's Dodgers, but for years, people have been advocating for them to have their blue jerseys with the red numbers that just say Dodgers on them. What are your thoughts on them
0: uh, bringing this into into the rotation? You know what? I like them. I I think that... Yeah. I, I... I... it's got to be a third, obviously, and I want to see it just every once in a while. I don't want it regularly. I think the Dodgers are a team that needs to have the white, that needs to have the gray. I'm going to be completely honest. The gray Dodgers, get rid of it. I don't ever want to see it again. Yeah, I, it's I agree. it's like I don't I don't understand it. Give me the gr- the white Dodgers. Give me the gray Los Angeles with the blue stripes on the sleeves and down the pants. That's what I want, home and away. Your alternate, I don't need to have another gray alternate that's the same color that almost looks like the other one, but it's just a little more boring. Give me the blue. Just a couple games a year. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. Well,
2: first off, I've been wanting them to bring the blue for so long. The, the City Connects have grown on me. I like the all-blue. I just think they could have made those slightly better. But I agree. The Agreed. road uniforms that say Dodgers, get rid of those. I don't want to see them. They're awful. Probably some of the worst road uniforms in all of baseball. The Los Angeles script font is so nice. But bring back what they had like 15, 20 years ago where it was like outlined in like this silver with kind of like the sandy look with like the outline of white. It was kind of like bolder, like those 90 ones. I will Very say high. though, Josh – if they want to keep the Dodgers, keep them. But, I, you know, you've seen that Tommy Lasorda jersey I have framed. Yeah, Bring oh, back man. those ones. The white outline? The white outline. Sick. Keep, bring those then. Because the one they have Sick. now is so boring. So if you want to keep the Dodgers, that's fine. But bring back that white outline. Or like I said, those Los Angeles ones from like the early 2000s. Those were fantastic. But for some reason, the Dodgers just uh just don't want to do that. But yeah. oh, wow. bring the blue. Like I said, maybe like. There's nothing wrong
0: with the Dodgers jerseys now. They are the cleanest. Like, they're right up there with the Red Sox all white ones. They're right up there with the Yankees pinstripes. Like, they're the cleanest jerseys in baseball. There's just nothing wrong with them. But it's like, I just don't need that gray Dodgers one. It's literally the white one in just a different, you know, shade. Like, it's just give me something that's just a little bit different.
2: We got time for one more question, Josh. This comes from SERP. And they want to know why is Will Smith so thick? Ah how
0: did they spell thick uh t-h-i-c-k oh so they mean not cc they mean yeah okay mm-hmm. i don't know i their food profile and, food and their squats pro, their profile picture josh
2: i don't know if you saw this the other night i this actually may have been the game you were at i can't remember but it's a uh, will smith for some reason i don't know where bob garen was the dodgers needed to challenge a play and Will Smith picked up the phone and was calling whoever it was they talked to when it comes to the replay review. Like I said, this might have been the game you were at. I'm not exactly certain, but I, there for some reason, Will Smith, Bob Guerin was somewhere nowhere to be found. And Will Smith's on the phone talking with the uh, replay review, and then he goes to Dave and he's like, "All right, let's challenge it." But that's their profile picture. So I guess uh, Serp locks out is a they, they're a they're a Will Smith fan, big Will Smith guy. So I thought that was Who's a funny not? moment. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, that wraps up this edition of the Mailbag. Sorry we couldn't get to all the questions because we have a draft to get to. But again, if you have any questions you guys would like to ask us, we like questions like that that really make us think. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter at Inside the Ravine. Josh, it has been some time since we've done our last draft. Yeah. Uh, a couple episodes because our previous episodes have been a little shorter. So before we get to our next topic, just to recap, our previous draft was drafting players on the team we want to take a road trip with. So you're getting in an RV, you're going from Los Angeles, all the way to new york a cross-country road trip what did see i said i'm in the were the millers rv what did you say you
0: were packing into i don't remember uh a church uh church youth group van <laughs> i think is what i said
2: <laughs> that's right so it's a recap i had a hanser alberto cody bellinger gavin lux alex Vesia, and joey gallo josh had austin barnes Mookie Betts, andrew heaney will smith and justin turner josh this one actually was our first draft that wasn't necessarily close yeah you're still looking for your first win because I came
0: out on top with seventy-two point two
2: percent. You got just, just under twenty-eight percent, so I'm at a
0: disadvantage. You know, you've got that Dodger following on Twitter, and I've got two thousand followers. You're, you're, are you at four million now or five million? I think we're about to hit five million. I'll that's have to impressive. recheck, though. Yeah. So this hey. week, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I'm willing to throw out my pride this week. I'm going for the win this week. Hey, that's what I, you are This gotta isn't gotta do. even my personal top five. I'm, I'm going for the win that sometimes when these drafts
2: you have to take into account you have to think am i doing the five that i like the best or you say you know what i'm trying to win the vote and get these so josh we came up with this right before the show started i thought this would be a fun competitive one and we are going to be drafting the best french fries that you can get at a restaurant or anywhere um so we i think a future show we can like draft the best french fries overall like waffle fries crinkle fries things like that but we're gonna be doing best fries that you can get anywhere josh uh you've been very generous in these episodes with giving me the number one pick so you're gonna kick us off with the uh 101 so best uh french fry you can go anywhere right now you were just giving five bucks where are you going to get your
0: fries i said that i would throw out my pride but not with my number one pick i refuse to pick mcdonald's french fries i don't think they're good genuinely i don't i don't think they're good would i eat them yes are they my favorite french fries absolutely not not close but i will sell my soul a little bit i'm gonna go chick-fil-a one one because i know that people are into those they're pretty good they actually taste like potatoes unlike mcdonald's so i'm gonna go for those they're gonna be my first pick a lot of people like chick-fil-a fries i I get that they're unique they're different you
2: can't really Mm -hmm. get them anywhere i will see this on chick-fil-a overrated. Uh, give me a give me a Popeye's chicken sandwich over Agreed. Chick-fil-A, but I will say yeah, their their fries are good. So, I uh, I'm against you. I, I think In-N-Out fr- or not In-N-Out, sorry, McDonald's fries. I think when you get a fresh batch of McDonald's fries, when they're piping hot, the salt is just right, they're nice and crispy. I don't think there's anything better. So, with my first pick, give me McDonald's fries. Uh again, they got to be piping hot, they got to be fresh as with every fry, but oh you can't beat those. I I love them.
0: They they're they're very hit or miss for me. I'm just I want my, I, I want that. them to taste want them to taste like potatoes. You know. I respect it. Yeah. Uh, with my second pick, I'm gonna go a little uh, different here. I'm not I'm not going I'm not going fast food. I'm going Red Robin. Yum. Give me some steak okay. fries. Give me the seasoning salt. That's what I want.
2: Uh, we have a friend from Arizona that might be very uh, on board with that pick. Because we got someone that loves Red Robin. Do do, do they still do the uh, bottomless fries when you go to – because I haven't been in years. So do they still do that, like bottomless fries, where it's just – you just keep the fries coming? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I've only been to Red Robin like twice in the last two years, but I believe they do. All right, so Red Robin. They used to have one out here uh, by me at the mall, but it shut down recently, I think. So with my second pick, I'm going to go with this one. Growing up, I always thought that these were widely regarded as the best fries, but I've come to learn, Josh, in recent in recent times, a very controversial pick. A lot of people have different opinions on these fries. Granted, these ones, you definitely need to have fresh, but I still love them. I need them. Give me In-N-Out fries. Uh, they are fantastic. Animal Style is fantastic as well, but give me In-N-Out. I don't care if it's a controversial take. I love them. Blake?
0: I could not agree more. They are probably my one or two. I was not going to pick them because, like I said, I'm going for the win. I don't have anything wrong with them. If you yeah. get them fresh, they are the best, no question. Yeah. So that's that's what I, I, I that's a great pick. I would have picked Thanks them you. later, but again, I'm going for the win. For my third Thank you, pick, buddy. for my third pick, remember this is a place that came out with a few different kinds of fries within these last couple of years. They have different varieties. They used to have different cuts of fries too. By far, I think the best fast food with different options, if I'm getting a burger, I'm going in and out. That's a draft we can do later. But if I want a good variety of different kinds of fast food, and I want good quality too, I'm going to Wendy's. Oh, Wendy's fries you are my third.
2: demon. You devil, <laughs> you. I thought that was going to be an underrated pick that would come back to me. Years ago, Wendy's changed their fries, and they made a big deal about it. But they are fantastic now. And Josh, I have a very important question to ask you. My girlfriend thinks I'm crazy when this gets brought up, and she sees this happen. Oh no! I know what this is going. Are you the kind of person, Josh, when you go to Wendy's? Uh oh. You get a frosty. Yep. And you're dipping your fries in the frosty. Uh, okay. What I kind used, of person
0: are you? I used to be. When I was younger, I used to do it. Now, not so much because I do think that they're. I would. I'm not. I'm not opposed to it. I'm really not. I'm really not opposed to it. More so the vanilla than chocolate, I think. Um, I just don't think it matches with with the chocolate. I don't know what it is about the salt and the vanilla, but I can I can deal with that.
2: See, I I do it. See, I I love vanilla ice cream, but for some reason I prefer the chocolate at Wendy's. Mm. I still I'm still a dipper, man. I, I'm still a proud dipper or a dunker or whatever or a scooper, whatever whatever you want to call it. But damn, that's that's a good pick on Wendy's. I respect yeah. it. By the way, have you been seeing the new Wendy's commercials with Reggie Bush?
0: Outstanding. <laughs> They're so good. They're so good. They're so, <laughs> Like, they, they don't lose. Every time. They I hit mean, all every the, time.
2: Even just their other commercials, like the Biggie Bag and the Breakfast, Wendy's yeah. marketing is a spot on. So, all right, for my third one, going outside the box here a little, and that's going to be Jack in the Box.
0: Okay.
2: But, Josh, I couldn't tell you how French fries are at Jack in the Box, the regular ones. Because when I go there, I'm getting the Curly Fries. Yeah. Because you can only get Curly Fries at so many places. Uh, I know Arby's is known for their Curly Fries, but I don't know where there's an Arby's near us. I don't know if you got one. No. I was going to say out there in Eastvale when you were there. I don't know if they had one. I don't know what the closest one is here. So, from when it comes to Curly Fries, Jack in the Box is the place. And uh, you got to get those like big curly ones, the ones that loop around. Uh, those are the go-to. I got to go Jack in the Box, Curly Fry
0: Edition. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, definitely a sleeper. Uh, for my fourth pick, um, this is this is an interesting one for me. But if you're going crinkle cut, you have to go Shake Shack. Yeah. So I'm going to go Shake Shack just to give you know you went you went curly. You got some variety in there. I need to get some variety too. And you're out of your mind if I'm going Del Taco. Crinkle cut fries. I'm going whoa, for whoa, Cane's. Whoa, okay, John. Oh, that's on your list. Uh, well... Cane's, I do like Cane's a lot, and the fries are okay, but if I'm going Crinkle cut, I have to go Shake Shack.
2: I actually had Cane's written down for my Crinkle cut edition, hmm. but I forgot, and I'm very glad you reminded me, of just how good Del Taco Crinkle fries no. are. They are fantastic. Unfortunately, I don't think they give it to you in, like, the large drink cup anymore. I knew, they used to give it to you in the cup, but... Crinkle fries at Del Taco. Apparently, Del Taco has really good cheeseburgers. Uh, My sources have told me. I've had people that have tried it that have said they're fantastic. Have not done that at Del Taco because if you're not getting the value menu at Del Taco, if you're not getting 79-cent tacos, what are you doing? Give me the crinkle cut fries at Del Taco. Those are fantastic. Arguably some of the top crinkle fries out there. No cap.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: fair enough. Is very different, very, yeah, that's who I'm picking. Very different opinions oh. on uh, the Fry game, which yeah. is
0: very interesting, which is what makes this so fun. But I it's think time our, for your I, final pick. Our two and three picks, I think, were, we had an, we, we agreed with each other, but everything else has been a little different. Right. For my last pick, um, this is a place that a lot of people like. Um, this is where the Hollywood elite go. And by elite, I mean the top 1%, because those are the only people that can afford this place. And it's Five Guys. So, yeah. you know, if I'm comparing two places, Five Guys, very good. Fry's, Solid. Not the best, but they're solid. Burger, very good. And then you look at In-N-Out, and it's like just as good, if not better, and $6 cheaper for your whole menu, or for your whole order. So that's why I prefer In-N-Out overall. The fries at Five Guys, you know they're good when they've just got sacks of potatoes just in the <laughs> yeah. dining room because you know exactly where you're getting your food from. So I'm going to go with those because, again, I like I want my fries to taste like potatoes, not just salt. And that's what you get from five guys.
2: Now you do got to save up for a couple weeks if you are going to get them. Yeah. Like you got to save a lot of money. It's a huge expense, but it's like an
0: anniversary dinner or a birthday dinner. It's like you go to the fancy steakhouse or do you go to five guys? You're going to spend the same amount.
2: I think I've had five guys once in my life and it's just because I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't appreciate having to uh, go to the ATM and take out a hundred bucks just to get a burger (laughs) and fries. So, Josh, I'm not liking your top five, man. I I think the uh, voters might be leaning your direction because you got some powerhouses. I'm going with a unique one. I I have a variety in my top five. At this point, you know, you've got the favorites, so I might as well take a unique one that might sling in some votes. I don't know if you've had these. They're a limited kind of item. I don't think you can go there right now and get them. But at Taco Bell, every now and then, they offer the nacho fries. It's a unique experience, comes with nacho cheese as a dipping sauce on the side. But nacho fries are a fun time, Josh. It's a unique thing. You can't get them anywhere else. I don't even know if they classify as french fries, if you want to say. But for the purpose of this, why
0: not? Let's put them on there. But I'm going with the nacho fries at Taco Bell. Those are pretty good, and i got to be honest with you. When I was looking for my last one here, um, and was I didn't think the, my last two were going to still going to be on the board. But when I was looking for my last two, I was like, all right, I got to look up a list of, like, other places that have good fries. This list has Taco Bell ranked top three. Interesting. What? There's no way, right? But So it's a, so it's a good right, pick is what you're saying. I, I think it's a – I don't know if it's a good pick. I think it is a good <laughs> sleeper pick. This is a good yeah. sleeper pick. So I, we, it, uh, I have had them before, and they are decent. Before
2: we wrap this up, were there any uh, honorable mentions that just got left off your list that just couldn't quite
0: make it on? Um – did you pick Carl's Jr.? I don't remember. I did
2: not. I did okay, not. No,
0: I, not, not really. I mean, for me, I do like In-N-Out. Um, that was one that was going to be a late pick for me if it was there, um, as was Five Guys. So those were two, you know, my honorable mentions of like, you know what you're getting. You're getting like real potatoes that taste like French fries. Right. Um, so those were two of my late picks. I thought that Del Taco might be a sleeper pick just because of the whole experience of, you know, walking into a, a taco fast food chain and getting French fries in a giant cup was always interesting. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't have too many too many uh, honorable mentions, to be completely honest. Yeah, there is one I just want to throw out. Popeye's, like, uh,
2: Cajun seasoned oh, fries. Oh, yeah, actually, I, that's a I, good one. I think that's a good one. But, all right, Josh, just to wrap this up, I went with McDonald's, In-N-Out, Jack-in-the-Box, Curly Fries, Del Taco Crinkle, and Taco Bell's Nacho Fries. What are your five? Uh, I went
0: with Chick-fil-A. Uh, I went with, man, what was my second one again? <laughs> I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember. if what we're did being I pick? honest. <laughs> I went with was it was it uh, Wendy's? Oh, no. I went with uh, Chick Fil A, Red Robin. That's uh, right. Red Wendy's, Robin. Shake Shack, and Five Guys.
2: Okay, I'm I'm interested, man. I'm interested to see where this goes because Steak people fries? have people have their opinions on French fries. So very interested to see how this uh, plays out. But again, if you guys want to send us potential ideas for future drafts, head us up on Twitter, Instagram. Don't hit us up on TikTok. I I don't think that'd be wise. But let us know what drafts you guys would like to see. Uh, but that wraps it up for this edition of Inside the Ravine. Again, you guys can listen to Inside the Ravine wherever you guys get your podcasts. Most notably on the Odyssey app. Check us out there. Or if you're a Spotify guy, if you're an Apple Podcast guy. Uh, does Jay Z still have that streaming app service that he used to have? It was like no Title, I think, is what it was called. Maybe we're I on no Title. But uh, wherever you guys get your podcast, you guys can find us. Again, hit us up on social media at Inside the Ravine. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You can find Josh at Josh schaefer 25 Especially if you like LA Kings content, he's your go-to guy for that. Not me necessarily just yet, but we're getting there. But uh, Josh, any parting words before we uh, head
0: out for the weekend? Uh, Arizona State uh, will keep it within 50 against Utah. That is all.
2: That's That's a hot take. Yep, I think Utah wins by at least 60, but as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you so much for listening to Inside the Ravine. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, wherever you may be.